Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. It's Monday, January 9th, 2023. And thanks so much for being with us today. We got a show with my good friends over at AASA. Okay, this is a we've done shows like this before. This is with their lighthouse districts, and these are school systems they selected that are really making a move to transform education. And today we've got Caroline Johns, who's the superintendent of Northgate School District over in Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, home of the Steelers. Sorry about that, Caroline. And also we've got, we got the Mike Nagler, okay, in Mineola, Long Island, close enough to the Giants to say sorry about that, because even though they're going to the playoffs, they're not going anywhere, Mike. I'm awfully sorry about that. And then we have Kim. Kim is from Texas, and Kim Alexander is the chief executive officer of Collegiate Collegiate Edunation. And I want to get really into and find out what she does over there. Collegiate Edunation. Okay, and I'm going to give you all the information about it. That is located in Boone, Texas. They've been designated as a uh, lighthouse demonstration system. Okay, and this is really cool. They work a lot in rural education. So we're going to have a wonderful conversation with urban districts, suburban districts in Mineola, and rural uh, education with my three wonderful guests today from AASA. We're going to archive the show at ace-ed.org, all right, which is where everything we do about equity happens to exist. All right, go over there, look at our magazine, Equity and Access, pre-K-12. You'll love it. Click on the cover. We're the only ones that focus on this for our editorial, all about ed- ed- equity and access. We've got all our podcasts over there, teacherretention.com, teacher-retention.com, seltoday.org, and a ton of interesting articles. We just published an article today from a Texas-based educator about social studies and technology and how that affects equity. So please go over and check it all out at ace-ed.org. We work hard all about equity, and we want you guys to be involved with us. Let me bring on my three guests, and as always, we are ladies first here. Okay, Caroline, good morning. Sorry about the Steelers. Good morning. Um, Thank you for recognizing our loss. We do love our Steelers. (laughs) I know you do. I know you do. Are you waving a yellow tail now? I just want to make sure that we're okay. We we keep one permanently hung up here, yes. (laughs) Great. And by the way, the, DeMar uh, Hamlin is, is from Pittsburgh, and he's doing good. So it's actually a good – it's a bad week and a good week for Pittsburgh. He's doing uh-huh. okay. That kid, yeah, it's really cool. Kim, yeah. are you there? Kim? Uh, yes, sir. How you doing, Kim? I'm Larry. It's nice to have you here. You're CEO of Collegiate Education, right? Uh, yes, sir, Larry. Good to be here this morning. It's a pleasure to have you here, and I want to really find out about what you guys do. I've been on your website over the last three days with Jimmy over at the AASA. Told me we we're going to be doing, you were going to be one of the guests, and I find what you do absolutely fascinating. Okay, so hang tight. Let me introduce the one and only Mike Nagler. Hi, Mike. How you Good doing? Good morning. Sorry about the Giants. Sorry about the Giants yesterday. I'm from Philadelphia, so I'm going to gloat. What can I tell Why are you sorry? They're in the playoffs. I know, but they're not going anywhere. I don't want to oh, burst okay. your bubble. Okay, I <laughs> That's don't why we play bubble. the games, Larry. That's why we play the games. <laughs> well said. Well said. All right. Well, we'll leave you with your sense of optimism today. Okay, because <laughs> I know you've got a great school district in Mineola. You guys really do. Okay, it's, it's good stuff over there. Congratulations to all three of you. AASA is important to us. We love working with them and highlighting great districts and great companies that work with them. 
okay? And I want to start this one off, if I may, okay, with Kim. Kim, tell us about collegiate education, which, as I said, is fascinating me. Go ahead. Tell us about it. Sure, Larry. Happy to be here and happy to talk about it. Uh, Collegiate education is a a network of high-performing rural schools, and it it, it stemmed out of work. I was a long-time superintendent in Roscoe Collegian ISD in Roscoe, Texas, and we developed a model for school-wide early college for all students, and then later it became early college slash STEM Academy, which all became what's known today as PTEC, Pathways in Technology, Early College High School. And what we really do is work with small and rural school districts. 700 of the 1,200 school districts in Texas are classified as small or rural. And the Mm -hmm. more rural a school is, the more difficult they have, time they have of aligning with higher ed and workforce partners. Texas has record high high school graduation rates, but very dismal post-secondary completion. Estimated loss in lifetime earnings for low completion of post-secondary credentials, $111 billion. So that's why the legislature in Texas is so interested in creating tri-agency alignment of K-12 higher ed and workforce. And it's very important. It's odd. Just my earlier show this morning was with a company called UWorld, which is based in Texas. Okay, and and the whole conversation because was about how how AP and, and and university is sometimes denied to under-resourced schools. All right, because they are just rural. Okay, and they just don't have the resources to make it happen. And I, I'll say what I said then. Okay, uh, I'll use the old United Negro College Fund. Remember this slogan: "A mind is a terrible thing to waste." We've got all these kids in rural districts. Okay, and we lose those kids. Let's think of the, the the brain power we're losing. Okay, so what you guys do is just, it's just wonderful. Is it a nonprofit, Kim? Or is uh, it a, yes, sir. How's it work? Uh, yes, sir. We're a five hundred one c three nonprofit, and we have a philanthropic component. And the chancellor of the Texas A and M system, John Sharp, is our honorary chair of our uh, initiative and then also we have a we work with the texas education agency and they have some grants for startup funds for these schools interested in higher student outcomes and where are you from your accent is a deep texas accent where are you from i'm from west texas out and actually it's not boone texas it's roscoe texas a little agricultural community out in west texas Texas wow. is a kind of a big state, so really, I didn't know that. It really? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's amazing, and it's just great to have you here. It really is, Kim. Caroline, can you top this? It's always Pennsylvania, Texas, with all this. Caroline, tell us about Northgate School District. So Northgate, brag, brag, brag. <laughs> brag. So we are a small urban district. We actually border right on the north side of the city of Pittsburgh. And our focus area has been on multi-tiered systems of supports with research-based interventions. So specifically, we've been looking at um, two areas in depth, and that is early literacy and behavioral health for our students in K through 12. And so um, I'll talk first about the early literacy before the pandemic, because you know how we everything's before pandemic or after pandemic. So prior to the pandemic, we were working on developing a model literacy program that is based on the science of reading, 
research. And then the pandemic hit, and we had to redo everything and had a lot on our plates, but we had some discussions with our teachers, and we made the decision that we were going to continue to do this work despite everything else that was going on because it was too important to have it wait. Um, we really believe that our students, all of them, have to be reading by the time they enter third grade. So we've done a lot Absolutely. of work to effectively change everything that goes on in our K-2 through classrooms. Then the second area is an area we're really excited about, and this is in the area of behavioral health. Um, we implemented something called the CHILL Project, and we're in our second year of implementation of that. And what it is, it's a partnership with Allegheny Health Network, which is a large healthcare provider in our region. Mm -hmm. And what they do is we actually have AHN staff who are full-time in our buildings. Each building has a behavior educator, and then each building also has one to two full-time licensed counselors in the building. And what's really interesting about this program is they blend into our faculty. If you asked our kids, they would have no idea that these people work for AHN. They just think they're other Northgate faculty. They're part of our community. And um, the way I look at this programming, the way I like to talk about it is for many years, we've taught kids about physical health. We always teach them, what do you, you know, you need to eat healthy, you need to exercise, you need to get sleep. And we don't wait till they're sick to talk about this. But we haven't done that as much with behavioral <clears throat> health. And I think this is a different approach in that yeah. we're teaching our kids strategies to support good behavioral health, such as mindfulness, coping mm -hmm. skills, interpersonal skills. And we don't wait until they're in crisis to do this. So those are two of our big focus areas. We have a lot of systems in place where we're able to monitor our students, um, recognize when they're starting to struggle, get support to them quickly, and then make sure those supports are working for them. Describe the district demographically. What kind of district is so it? We're a little bit over a thousand students. We have three buildings, two elementary buildings that are K through six. One of the buildings does have pre-K classrooms. Then we have one um, secondary building that serves 7 through 12. And in terms of our student population, about 60% of our students come from an economically um, disadvantaged background. Wow. Okay. So you got, and, uh, talk to me, and thank you. Okay, what you're doing is wonderful. Uh, Multi-tiered support services, all these wonderful things you're doing. And you mentioned this before, pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. Okay. Has it changed? Uh, well, this was work that we. This is work yeah. that we have. We're starting before the pandemic, and the pandemic just created a disruption. And I think yeah. what was significant for us is that it was a time where schools had to say, "Okay, we're working on some good things. Do we put those on hold until we get through this crisis?" And you know, because there was a lot that we were asking our teachers to do, our administrators. I mean, yeah. Obviously, we all lived through the pandemic. We know what the emotional toll was. But sure. I think it really redefined our commitment to kids in that we said, nope, this, this work is too important, and our kids are here right now, and they can't wait a couple of years for us to get through this. That is, that is excellent. Uh, again, you, no wonder they named you Lighthouse District. I mean, it's it's, it's just terrific. You're going to be a you're going to be a beacon of light for a lot of people. Okay, doing this, and I'm full of favor of multi-tiered support services. I think that's so important, and obviously, I'm in favor of reading by third grade. 
okay? And you've got to put the emphasis on that and make it work. You guys are doing that. Mike, what's going on in Mineola? Thank you, Caroline. What's going on in Mineola? <laughs> Long Island, one word, Long Island, New York. I'm from Philadelphia. <laughs> I think I mentioned that. Go ahead. <laughs> yes, so we have a bunch of things going on. Um, we were recognized. Uh, yeah, we were recognized for our early childhood stuff. So we Good we have stuff. full day pre K for every student, and we're on in our sixth year of. What, what, what year um, does pre K start? Where, where's pre K start? Would we say that? Four, full four day year pre K. Full day pre K. Four year olds. Yep. Oh, okay. um, wow. We we've been on a six year journey to uh, eliminate report cards and look at uh, assessment differently so we have a badging system so all of our mm-hmm. all of our learners from pre-k to grade four um, use badges as their primary means of assessment and this year we we leveled the badges to proficiency scales followed a lot of uh, Robert Marzano's work with that so we've really trained um, we haven't given up on this idea that we shouldn't put a number on a kid in the early grades as they mm-hmm. develop mm-hmm. Uh, developmentally appropriate, and the badging system has really evolved over time. So we're really proud of that. But, uh, but and I, all of I them. Uh, you, let me ask you a question yeah. about that, though. And I, by the mm-hmm. way, I agree with you. Okay, but my my question is, is the, the it, you have to, in my opinion, you have to be careful that, and I'm sure you are, that the badging system. <clears throat> Isn't a participation trophy. We have to, we have to, you know what I mean. We have to make sure they they actually are learning. Okay. And how's the badging system in, in light of my silly statement about participation trophies? Okay. How does the how do you train the teachers to use the badging system? So it's actually um, almost foolproof about the participation part because you either earn the badge or you don't. So it really takes out a lot of subjectivity. We've established criteria for each. The badge is basically the standard. So we've taken the standard, and then when the standard is too voluminous, we we have micro badges, or we have proficiency (laughs) scales, which are uh, uh, a hierarchy of skills. And you earn the badge or you don't. But the interesting part is we, we include the children in the conversation. So oh, that's great. They, they know what they don't know and what they should be working on in order to uh, get proficient in the standard. So it really is kid-focused and, and student-centered in, in they can set goals on the work that they're doing. Uh, and teachers, with that, we – Do the teachers like this? Do the teachers like uh, this? Teachers love they it. Do. Teachers love it. they do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, uh, their angst comes from when a student doesn't earn the badge, and this is where we work brain science in. So we have a whole SEL component um, oh, good. teaching our That's little right. ones about their brains, about neurons, about how they can grow their synapses. So if they don't earn it, we issue wow. neuron stickers. So um, it's a cute little method of reinforcing growth mindset and teaching them how their brains work, and you're not born smart. You you work toward becoming smart. Um, I, I, I I really love that. And, you know, you just said something that always uh, get, gets to me, and that is, you know, we know a lot about it. We don't know a lot, but we know how the brain works. We're always learning more, okay? And we know how learning works, okay? And I have a BS in education, okay? But nobody ever taught me the science of education. It was just a degree to give me. 
okay? But there is a science to education, and it is neurological about learning, okay? And I think that's wonderful the way you just phrased that. I think that's just great. Okay, we've got to get the synapses snapping, if I may. Okay, I think yep. it's great to recognize that. You know, it's good stuff. What else? I, saw, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Do you want to continue? Yeah, yeah. We, we have a – if you go to miniolagrows.com, all of these resources are free. There are videos. There's a whole curriculum. This pops up by Zap, which is a way we, we articulate to our little ones about how, <laughs> how an idea is formed in your brain. And uh, we also teach them about their amygdala, which is part of our MTSS series about your emotional control when your lizard brain takes over. So there's a lot of great stuff and resources that are all um, available for free. Wow. Is this whole thing at early learning, pre-K-4, is this why they they designated you a lighthouse district? In part, yes. What's, What's the other part? Brag. The other part of the work we're doing Brag. at our high school, uh, we, um, we launched a new program called Synergy this year, which eliminates all of the periods and puts all of the subjects in the cloud. So it's a combination of asynchronous and in-person learning where wow. high school students create their own schedule every day and are accountable to themselves for how they complete their work. How's it working out? Uh, I love it. We we bought we literally bought a bank across the street from our high school. We retrofitted it, and we opened it in September. So, um, so far so good. And are all the are all the kids using it in high school? Nine, twelve, or ten, twelve, whatever. It is. No, it's a choice. It's you can do the traditional uh, structure of high school, or you can do the synergy version of it. And if you do the synergy version, how are you finding teachers to handle that? How's that work? Well, they're a unique, a unique group. That we took volunteers because it's no uh, very unlike anything a high school teacher currently does. Go ahead. Continue. What, in what way? Well, you, you're creating learning pathways. So the content, you're creating interesting pathways of the content asynchronously, and then you're, you're teaching in seminar style a lot of the concepts wow. about the content. Wow. Right. It, 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 it's fabulous. I, I love it. And I love the way you're thinking about neuroscience with all this. I, I think this is just great. So you and Caroline, you've got great systems going. I want to swing back to Kim. Thank you, Mike and Caroline, for a second. Kim, you hear this stuff coming from, if I may, larger urban districts. I know Caroline's not a big one, but it's an urban district or immediate suburban district. Okay, you hear these kind of ideas bouncing around. Can you take these into rural schools and do something with them? Kim, over at Collegiate Education. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, sir. Uh, You know, we all know the challenges of rural, uh, and in many ways it's referred to as the new inner city. But one advantage of of these innovations is the smaller the shift, the easier it is to turn. And so in, in, many, in many situations, it's easier to build models in a smaller situation that might be applicable to more suburban and urban things. But I, I value, you know, hearing these great stories that are going on in all these AASA 2025 districts yeah. because, you know, being around innovative people just uh, fuels the fire for innovation. Right, and they're around you guys too. And I, I cannot emphasize, you know, we're all, we we always talk about inner city, we always talk about suburban. We we are very concerned about the impact of rural education. 
okay? And, and we, I talk to school districts all over the country, to, uh, literally in my own state here in Maine, okay? We're very rural, all right, uh, except for a couple of bigger cities. And, you know, this is really, really important, and we can't afford to lose any more kids, okay? What's your favorite program that you guys have seen coming out of rural education? Kim? Well, what we're piloting here uh, with Collegiate Education, and then we're yeah. also uh, in in West Virginia working on that same concept and right. a similar conversation in North Dakota, is the PTEC concept. And by, by the way, you know, a, Caroline is close to West Virginia. She can go down and visit. Caroline, listen to this. You're close to West Virginia. Yep, 40 yeah. minutes. 40, 40 oh, okay. minutes. There, there you go, well, Kim. Okay. Yeah, it's go a ahead. small it's a small world. Seems like and getting smaller. There you go. Go ahead. <laughs> but but the main thing we're doing right now as a PTEC school, you can keep students in a support system an additional two years beyond high school. And what we did as an early college, our students earn the associate degree before they graduate high school. And so. Uh, in 2019, I told the Commissioner of Education here in Texas, Mike Morath, that since these students have the associate degree, we're going to use that additional two years to bring bachelor and graduate degrees to these rural communities and take the cost of living out of it. That's the real culprit in the cost of higher ed. And the student debt crisis, I believe 45 million Americans have $1.7 trillion in student debt, and most did not complete that degree they were pursuing. So in bringing these bachelor degrees, we did a pilot here in Roscoe, a cohort of seven very disadvantaged students that had the associate degree in the graduate high school. The regional university in in our area is West Texas A&M. They're part of the A&M system. And so of those seven that we brought that bachelor's degree opportunity to Roscoe, Two of them graduated early. Uh, the other five graduated on time. Average age 20, student debt zero, and a higher GPA oh. than the average West Texas A&M graduate, which that taught us a lot about the importance of providing high school-type support systems wow. for at-risk uh, college students wow. that have been historically underrepresented in higher ed. And we think it's a, sure it's a step in the right direction to breaking generational poverty through higher education. Oh, it has to be. Okay, you have to show these kids where they can go. Okay, and, you know, it, it's been tough over the years. And they, they, they get localized. Okay, and they get myopic, and you have to expand to them and say, no, there's a whole world out there that you that that offers you great occupations that hopefully you can even bring home and help the community here. I mean, it's really really important. What do you, how I, I'm going to go back and look. Thank you, Kim. That was really great, Caroline. Now that you've been selected a lighthouse district, okay, and you're going to publicize, you know, all the wonderful things you're doing. We're helping with that. Well, what do you see your role in talking to other districts? Have you have you been in touch with other districts about all the great stuff you're doing? Caroline. Well, we're, um, yeah, in the western Pennsylvania region, we're very fortunate in that the superintendents are um, a pretty tight-knit group, and we are in communication with each other very sure. frequently. So um, we for the CHILL project, because we were the first district to fully implement, um, we have school districts, other districts that are looking to implement that come over here and visit 
talk to us about what we're doing, look to see if the program's a fit for them. Um, so we are the site that they visit, but also, um, you know, kind of back to that discussion about rural education, Pittsburgh, I mean, we're talking about our urban center here, but if you drive 20, 30 minutes out of Pittsburgh, yeah, you rural, get into you're rural, in rural Pennsylvania. Oh, right. I know that. You're in yeah. rural Pennsylvania. So, oh, yeah. you know, I think that as a lighthouse district, we have a commitment to helping other districts. So one thing that we're doing is working with AHN to look at how do we get this type of programming out into the rural districts, knowing that, um, you know, like all areas, there's it's difficult to get enough staff, so they're not able to just replicate um, what we have here. But we're working very closely with them to see how do we replicate it in a way that we can get access to the districts that are um, further out of Pittsburgh. Right, and you're a smaller district, and Kim was saying about smaller districts, rural districts, okay? And I have to ask, and Mike's in a bigger – Mike, how big is your district? Uh, we're not that big, 3,000. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say you were going to be bigger. Okay, so this is good. You know, then let me ask this. As smaller districts, we're not talking about 40,000 kids, okay? Is it – I always think of Jurassic Park. You know, the the brontosauruses didn't do as well as the raptors, okay? The bigger isn't necessarily better, okay? And when you start to implement things, okay, and Kim said this, it's easier to turn the ship when you're smaller, okay? Can you see what you're doing? I'll throw this one to Mike. Can you see what you're doing working in bigger systems? Yeah, absolutely. I like the Velociraptor reference there. That's a good one. Thank you. Please the, feel free to use it. Yes. You know, yes. the, the beauty, when you think about how districts can help one another, you know, it can't be about finance because, you know, I can't give my, my money to somebody else. But I certainly can share oh, well, my resources. Oh, that includes this conversation. I thought I was right, going to make a fortune off that. You know, we, okay. we don't think enough uh, in public education about sharing our resources. And yes. I think it's, yeah. um, it, it's a disservice to to – you know, we, we're all doing innovative things. Well, share it. And I think that's the whole basis of the 2025 is we're modeling successful practices that you may or may not work in your community, but at least you have access to the ideas and the resources and the ability to try it. Um, and, and I think that's the world is getting smaller and smaller, as, as Kim and Caroline yeah. mentioned. So, yeah. so, you know, we need to start thinking differently about how we lead. And the sharing piece, That's, I think, is at the, at the point of it. Exactly. We don't, the old saying, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Okay. So let me ask you this, Mike. Is there good communication between all the superintendents? That, I think nationally, like I was, I was just in Pittsburgh, and, and Caroline was at the, the conference I was at. I mean, they, they, their Remake Learning, uh, there's 30, I think there are 35 districts participating in 2025 through Remake Learning. So it, it, there's a esprit de corps of superintendents yeah. that know each other good. and speak. Uh, and it, it goes outside our states. I mean, I'm, I'm, I know That's most good. of the uh, – and national organizations like AASA really keep us connected. Yeah, they, they have to. Kim, that, I was going to ask you that question, okay, and Mike just brought it up perfectly, okay. Is, are, are, are the rural districts – Okay, and they're small. They need resources. They can share stuff. All right, are they doing that down? I'll use Texas or West Virginia as the example. Are the superintendents sharing resources, etc.? Well, sharing brain power. 
Kim. It's it's becoming increasingly true as you know uh what we the real problem that we've had and more the more rural there are the more so this is true K12 working in a silo and really not aware of what higher ed is doing and not aware of workforce high wage high demand jobs but as in Texas the legislature has really made addressing that problem uh, since, I, as I mentioned a while ago, it's such a big financial issue, in, in addition to the fact that our greatest resource is our human capital and the biggest tragedy That's right. is wasted human capital. So now that we've identified that problem, uh, the legislature has really put a lot of incentives in place to, uh, you know, uh, there was major legislation in, in Texas in 2019, House Bill 3, that incentivize districts to uh, produce students that had college degrees and meaningful high-wage, high-demand workforce credentials in the form of rebates for graduates with that. And uh, we always know in, in, in the capital that somewhere in the back room, you know, there's a conversation going on about consolidation and those types of things. And I really believe that, you know, as I mentioned, the more rural school is, the more challenging that alignment is. But it's it's also going to literally starve folks out that are unable to figure out how to create those partnerships and yeah. address that, that uh, credential crisis. Yeah, they do have to do it. And I, I'm going to ask all three of you this. I'll start with Kim since I'm talking to him. All this is great. Do we have enough teachers to make it happen? How's this teacher shortage working out for you? That is Tim. a crisis. And it, you know, oh, it I, don't, I like many me. things in the pandemic, yeah. you know, that only intensified that problem. As record numbers of educators are leaving the the profession, you know, just because of the, the difficulties that the pandemic presented and so we're trying to do things and one of the things that we're piloting with these uh, collegiate education schools is the grow your own teacher program and we realize this that you know folks are more apt to stay in these rural areas if they're from these rural areas and so as a result of that and the PTEC uh, currently Roscoe for example has <clears throat> three 20-year-old homegrown teachers that already have their degree and their right. teaching credentials and have chosen right. to stay there. I really think that may be a potential Congrats. solution. Uh, uh, well, that, that's good to hear that those three are, are there. i got to tell you, there's a problem. Caroline, how's the teaching shortage? What's going on? In, in, um, well, obviously, it's, it's impacting um, Pennsylvania. Our district specifically has not been impacted at this point. We've got a pretty veteran good. teaching staff, and they – Despite all the challenges of the pandemic have continued, however, I am keeping an eye on it because a number of them are getting close to retirement phase. So what we do is when we have long-term subs, we really invest and grow them, having them uh, participate in all of our professional development and so forth so that when we do get an opening, we've got a pool that um, we know they're ready to step right in. Are they permanent substitutes? Do they always, I mean, are they, like, on the payroll? They are not on the payroll, so they are um, they are just temporary for the position. But what we do is if we have somebody who comes in, let's say, for maternity leave, when that maternity leave ends and if they're doing a great job, we try to find another position 
um, for wow. them, and it doesn't guarantee them full-time employment when um, a job comes open. We do have a very rigorous hiring process, but certainly if they've been here and they've been performing really well, that you know we certainly take that into consideration. And I'm glad you're not having trouble with teacher retention and all that in Northgate. It's so bad. How about in Mineola, Michael? It's getting worse, but it's not uh, a, a true problem yet. We, you know, we have a residency program with our local colleges for years that has helped tremendously in, in uh, being like a training ground for us. The full year of residency, they, they're with us um, in their senior year of college. Yeah, what I've always said, you know, we got to make sure the kids enjoy. It, it sounds silly when I say, but we, it's it's basic marketing. You got to make sure that the customers enjoy, okay, what the twelve years they're there, so that they return. Nobody wants to work at a place, okay, where they didn't enjoy themselves. All right, this is one of the challenges they have in urban education. Okay, if they didn't have a engaged education, they're not going to come back there to work. So we got to do everything we can as professionals in the field to encourage people to become teachers. And I love, you know, always grow your own, et cetera. We got to get more and more people into education. It's that simple. You three are doing absolutely excellent work. Okay, and you literally are going to be beacon. Think of yourself, Caroline, like like the Statue of Liberty with the torch. Okay, you're a lighthouse now. Okay, and you, and you're not going to look that good by looking like that. But thank you, you. appreciate that. Like, you know, yeah, yes. you know, but but really, okay, <laughs> seriously. And Kim, I I got to tell you, it's the work that you folks are doing that has to be shared. All right, so that other school districts don't have to invent the wheel. You guys already have a good wheel rolling down the hill. So I want to thank you for being here today. This was wonderful. You're doing great work. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Larry. Thank you for having us. You're welcome, guys. Have a good January, and I hope we talk again soon. Take care. Thank you all. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Three great people, three great educators. i got to tell you, that's Kim Alexander, and you got to look this up. This is Collegiate Edunation, and it's all about, not education, edunation. Collegiate Edunation, all about um uh, rural rural education, helping them in Roscoe. They're in Roscoe, Texas, but it's all West Texas oriented and throughout West Virginia and all across the state. Okay, Mineola's in Long Island, and of course, good old Northgate is in Pittsburgh, right outside of Pittsburgh, kind of in Pittsburgh. All right, we're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org. Check out AASA over at aasa.org. They're a good organization. All right, so thank you very much for listening. I'm Larry Jacobs, everybody. Go over and see what we do at ace-ed.org. Thanks.